Good morning, everybody. My name is Kevin Norcross, pastor Next Generation and Outreach, and uh, really excited to share God's word with you today. Welcome to all of you who are here in the room and those of you watching from home. And if you're new, thanks for being here. I'd love to meet you after the service. Um, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 12, verse 13 to 17, and you can get your Bibles ready. We'll read that in a few minutes. But before I get into today's message, I'm just really, really excited about the fall. Um, we as a staff have been planning hard, getting ready to launch all the, the ministries and things, and you are, are excited as well, and looking forward to uh, September 10th, when we kind of kick off this ministry year. Uh, the pandemic's behind us. We're, we're chomping at the bit, ready to go, and I'm just really excited about all the great things that God's going to do uh, in West Park this year. So please be there on the 10th, and if you've been uh, talking to someone, sharing your faith with them, invite them out. There's lots of ministries that, that uh, we can get plugged into. Our goal for this event is, you know how you got the calendar at home? Some of you have that. Ours is starting to fill up for September with all this stuff. And we want West Park to be on people's home calendar. We want people to be plugged into midweek stuff, uh, coming every Sunday, and just, just really growing deep in discipleship. So we're looking forward to that September 10th and 17th. It's going to be a great year. So today, uh, we're following Jesus' journey, and, and uh, he's, today we're back in the battle arena. I spoke two weeks ago about how Jesus entered the temple and went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the religious leaders in this battle arena of the temple, and we're, we're back in that battle arena today. We learned a couple weeks ago about how Jesus fights our battles for us uh, when we face those battles here on this earth. And in this argument that Jesus is going to have with these religious rulers, Jesus is talking in heavenly terms and has this heavenly kingdom focus, while the religious rulers are still talking on, on earthly terms and an earthly focus. Um, and this is the reality that we live in today. As Christ followers, we function in this earth and we are to live out our lives on this earth, but we are to be heavenly minded, focused on the things of God and focused on eternity. And each day uh, we dive into scripture, we pray because we want to be focused on heavenly things while we're um, living here on this earth. And this, this struggle is something that we all deal with and we all battle. The struggle between good and evil, sin, holiness, right, wrong, earthly responsibilities, yet a heavenly commitment and a heavenly focus. And in Jesus' argument with these religious leaders, he gives us great insight on how we can live our lives in this reality today. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at this scripture for, for what it is, how Jesus responds to the people in his day. But in the background, we're going to be saying, how does this apply to my life as I fight this battle, this struggle between my earthly responsibilities and my heavenly focus? So our big idea, our big idea today to keep us focused is this. To thrive on this earth, we must be heavenly focused. We want to thrive. We want to have purpose on this earth. We want to do anything and everything we can to represent Christ. And in order, in order to thrive on this earth, we must have, be heavenly minded. So let's stand together this morning with this as our backdrop. We're going to read uh, Mark chapter 12, 13 to 17. Is everyone excited? Let's do this. Where did it go? There it is. Verse 13. Later... They sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. 
They came to him and said, Teacher, we know you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and, asked, and he asked them, whose portrait is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Verse 17, then Jesus said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. All right, you can have a seat. So again, the big idea to thrive on this earth, we must be heavenly minded. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at four things that heavenly minded people do. This isn't an exhaustive list. These are just kind of four points that stood out to me as I studied the scripture and, and four things that we can work on as we, we, we strive to thrive on this earth, to, to be heavenly minded. Um, these are four things that heavenly minded people do. So let's go through verse by verse and see uh, how these four points jump out. So first of all, verse 13, later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. So again, Jesus enters into conflict with religious rulers. Mark doesn't record exactly where this battle uh, took place, but it was in one of the temple courts. We know that it was the following day from the last encounter that they had uh, where, where they went toe-to-toe -to -toe in the battle arena. And then, uh, and again, they're trying to catch Jesus in a lie. They're trying to trip him up because they want to arrest him, but they know that they can't arrest him without cause because he has a great following and there would be an uprising from the people. We are seeing that Jesus was gaining much momentum and support from the people and they were looking for solid grounds to arrest him. Like, about, like I spoke about two weeks ago, they try and trick him, outwit him, outsmart him, but they don't know who they're messing with. And Jesus is so smart in how he responds to them. Mark lists two specific groups of people that are coming at Jesus that day, the Pharisees and the Herodians. Now, these two groups were not best friends. They were on opposite ends of the political spectrum, but they join their forces and they join evil to go against Jesus because they want to arrest him. So they come up with their attack. And again, they think they're so smart. But they come at Jesus by saying the following, okay? So here's their first attack at Jesus. They came to him and said, teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? So they try and sweet talk him. Okay, now this has never happened in my home, but I've seen it on the movies. And let me paint a picture with you. A daughter walks into the living room, dad's sitting there on the couch watching football, and she begins to pay him compliments. Dad, did you get a new haircut? Wow, dad, you sure look slim in that shirt. Dad, are you wearing a new cologne? And the father looks up from his football game and says, how much money do you want? <laughs> right? Again, it's never happened in my home. But you know, a kid would make cookies or clean their room or washes the dishes and, and try to butter up the parents to get them to do what they want. 
or a husband comes home with a bouquet of flowers and the wife is like, he either did something really, really wrong or he's just being really nice. But this concept of trying to butter people up to get what you want, that's what this group was doing. They're trying to butter Jesus up and pay him this insincere compliment to try and get what they want and they think they're so tricky, but they're not. So here's the flattering words that, that they say to Jesus. Teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Now, you know how you have this inside voice and this outside voice? Or you know when you're in a conversation with someone and, and so, someone says something and your inside voice is going crazy and you just don't react physically with your face? That's what's going on, probably going on with Jesus here. Uh, he's got this inside voice uh, when they, they attack him with this phrase saying, are you kidding me? Like, that's the best you've got, guys? Come on. Maybe internally he was rolling his eyes because he saw right through their motives. He saw right through their motives, just like that dad seeing right through the motives of his daughter trying to get money out of him. Jesus saw right through it. He saw through their facade. And this is the first example that I pulled out of this scripture of what heavenly-minded people do. Heavenly-minded people recognize that we walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. And you're so excited because you get to fill in your first blank there on your notes. We walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. It is amazing to watch Jesus uh, in his wisdom and discernment that he exhibits in these encounters. He's able to see right through their earthly motives, the flesh, and, rem and remain heavenly minded in the spirit. And I think that's something that we should strive for as Christ followers, that we would walk in the spirit and not in the flesh that we would rely on God's spirit as we navigate through each and every day, that as we have conversations with believers or non-believers, that we should be sensitive and listening to God's spirit leading us through those conversations and having spiritual conversations with people. We need to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. I think of the Israelites when they were in the wilderness. They were led at night by a pillar of fire and in the day by a cloud. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what was happening, but they obeyed the spirit of God and they kept their minds and their hearts fixated on heavenly things as they navigated through the earth. Not being distracted by the things of this world, but focusing on the things of God. Not giving into temptations of sin that appeal to our flesh, but live according to the scripture and walking in the spirit. Each and every day, I encourage you to set aside some quiet time where you dig into your word, where you pray for the people you love, you pray about your day so that we can stay focused on this. By doing this, it will help you to walk according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. Walk according to God's plan and not the enemy's plan for your life. And it will help you not get too wrapped up in the things of this world. By doing this, it will help you and prepare you to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. So let's get back to scripture to the scripture. This, this group is trying to butter Jesus up and they're giving him this totally insincere compliment and then they try and trap Jesus and they hope that he falls into it. They try and trick him into disrespecting Caesar. This would have given them the chance to arrest him. If Jesus would disrespect the emperor, then, then they could arrest him. So here's a bit of background to what was happening during this time and why, why it's important, why they think it's a really good trap that they're laying for Jesus. Judea became a Roman Empire in AD 6. A census was taken and the Romans levied a tax against them. This led to a revolt with, uh, from the Jews because 
It basically put God's land at the service of other foreigners, and the Jews didn't like that. So the enforcement of the tax put the Jewish people in a position where they were making a statement of where their loyalty lies. On the one hand, if they acknowledge that they must give tax to Caesar, uh, they're acknowledging his power and his earthly authority. But if they don't pay tax to Caesar, then they're in trouble and they're going to get arrested and they're going to be put into slavery. So the big question that, that the Jews are asking themselves in this is, can anyone pay tax to Caesar but still have allegiance to the God of Israel? In other words, are people being traitors if they pay this tax, this tax that was put on their people? And this is what the Jewish people were wrestling with during that time. Some Jews refused to pay it and they paid a penalty for it. Some were arrested, some were put into slavery because they couldn't pay back that penalty. The Pharisees didn't like it, but they didn't really um, oppose it, actively oppose it. The Herodians were great with paying the tax. So their intention in asking this question was to force Jesus to give a direct answer and choose either side, okay? They think they've got him in this really good predicament. Again, if Jesus sides with the Jewish people, don't pay the tax, then they'll be able to call him a diehard rebel and just rush in and arrest him. They had already arrested many Jews because of this. If Jesus sides with the Herodians, pay the tax, then he will undermine those who have stood up against this tragedy. So they ask him this yes or no question. Should we pay or shouldn't we? They want him to fall into to this trap and they, they, in their minds, they only give him one way out. And they think they've got him. And this is the next example of how we should be, uh, we can live as heavenly minded people. Heavenly minded people recognize that we are sheep among wolves. We are sheep among wolves. Now remember, these people that are attacking Jesus, they don't want to know the truth. They just want to trick Jesus. But there's people in the peripheral that are listening. And so Jesus is saying these things because he knows there's soft hearts out there that want to hear God's truth. And we are a part of that group. There are people who the enemy will use to try and paint you in a corner like these, guys, these, these religious leaders did to G, tried to do to Jesus that day. There are people in your life that will try and paint you in a corner. Listen, don't ever feel trapped, but know that God can help you get out of those situations. Don't ever feel trapped. These evil, evil people thought they had Jesus backed into a corner. They thought they had him trapped. They thought they had him outwitted. They thought they were smarter than him, but they weren't. They thought they had Jesus painted in a corner. Now, I've shared that, that growing up, I learned how to paint. And through Bible college, I ran my own painting company. And I remember one day where I almost painted myself into a corner. I was painting a deck and I was working my way across board by board. So there was no marks in between. And I realized that if I kept going on this pattern that I was doing, that I would be stuck in the corner of the deck and with a couple options. I either step on the wet paint and ruin the work that I did, or I stand there for a really long time until it dries. And I, luckily I caught myself before that happened. But that's what Jesus, that's what they thought they were doing to Jesus in this moment painting him into a corner. And that's something we got to remember. Remember Christ's follower. The Bible says that we are sheep among wolves. And that sheep will come, that wolf will come and try and attack you and back you into a corner. But remember that the great shepherd will always protect you and look after you and help you through those situations. Isn't that a great truth? We must be aware of the fact that the enemy wants to get us. 
I spoke about this two weeks ago. I talked about my friend who is uh, experiencing this kind of thing in his life, and he was seeking counseling on how do I deal with these people who are constantly attacking me and putting me down because of my faith and what I believe in. And that counselor told my friend this phrase, and I shared it a couple weeks ago, don't bleed in front of sharks. Don't be vulnerable with people who want to attack you. Don't, be, uh, don't be, uh, let your guard down with people who want to tear you up. We are sheep among wolves, and we need to recognize that. Matthew 10 is where this scripture comes from, and Jesus is preparing the disciples to go out, and he says this to us, Matthew 10, 16, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Isn't that great? Yes, we need to be loving, kind, gentle, caring, but always knowing that the enemy is out there to attack us, and we need to be cautious and careful and I encourage you each and every day, church, spend time in your word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time focusing your hearts on heaven and on the things of God because that will help you. That will help you prepare for moments throughout your day where the enemy tries to trip you up and paint you in a corner. So again, they think they have Jesus painted in this corner of the deck. They think they've got him. But let's see Jesus' amazing response. Verse 13, uh, 15. Second half of 15 and 16. But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked. Bring me a Daenerys and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. So of course, Jesus doesn't fall into their trap. There is no way he's going to allow that to happen. He recognized their question as pure hypocrisy and he calls them out for being hypocrites. And he asked them for a coin. Now, first of all, this would have set them back a little bit that Jesus was asking them for a coin because they would have said, well, everyone carries around these coins, but Jesus didn't have one. That coin would have had a picture of the Roman emperor on it. Here's a, here's a picture that I found. I thought it would be cool to get everybody one of these as like a, a sermon illustration. Everybody could go out after the service with one, but they're like six or 700 bucks on eBay. So <laughs> I didn't do that. But this picture on the coin was, was propaganda. It, was, it reminded people who was in charge. The inscription on the coin read, Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of the divine Augustus. And then the other side was a picture of Caesar's mother, Livia, written high priest. So it was, it was like a, a portable idol. And they carried this around um, to remind them of their allegiance to Caesar. So these these group of religious leaders, someone produces a coin. And Jesus says, whose picture is on it? And they answer, Caesar's. Now, this is brilliant. I absolutely love studying God's word. Jesus is proving even more points here. I get a real kick out of it. But here's what he's trying to say. The fact that they are carrying around this coin shows that they have no problem bringing this, uh, this idol worship symbol into God's temple. And so what he's saying to them, you guys are acting so religious, and, and, but you're actually hypocrites because you have no problem bringing this um, idol into God's temple. He's also um, exposing them in this, in this statement. He makes them look so foolish. And in fact, the deeper meaning of what he's saying here is that they're, by carrying around this coin, their hearts already are paying loyalty and praise to Caesar. 
So he wasn't just talking about money, but he was talking about the condition of their heart. And again, I find it so entertaining watching our Lord and Savior navigate through these situations. So brilliant and and mind-blowing. Nothing is by accident. Nothing is, is just Jesus blowing smoke or empty words, but everything is tactful and calculated and power packed. I love it. So, what he's pointing out here is that this earth, uh, the difference between this earthly kingdom and the heavenly kingdom. We live by heavenly rules, not earthly rules. Remember, the disciples are in the background watching all this happen. They're still uh, trying to grasp what Jesus is doing. They thought he was coming to set up his earthly kingdom, but he's coming to set up his heavenly kingdom. And this is the next example that Jesus shows us about being heavenly minded on this earth. Heavenly minded people recognize we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are in this world, but not of this world. We must constantly work at reminding ourselves of this. That we are in this world, but not of this world. It's so easy to get caught up in the things of this world that, and the things that are in our pocket like we're in these religious leaders' pockets. For those guys, they had coins, and it represented this earthly kingdom and rules and pressures that they live in. So some of you have coins in your pocket, like this one. And uh, it has an image of a polar bear. And... Some of you have coins in your pocket, but many of you don't carry coins anymore. Some of you have a wallet in your pocket, but some of you don't even carry that anymore. But I bet most of you, if you reached in your pocket, would have one of these. (laughs) And this is my iPhone 4 or whatever. I get excited when my kids get new phones because I get their hand-me-downs. But these things are great tools. You constantly have a, a camera on you. Um, You can do your banking on here. You can pay for stuff on here. You can search stuff up. You can use it to navigate around in your car. They're great, helpful tools. But in, in this story, Jesus says, what's in your pocket? And they pulled out this coin. In our society today, I say, what's in your pocket? And most of you have one of these. I'm not bashing these things, but I'm saying this can represent our connection to earthly things, to earthly rules, and to our society Either way, Jesus was challenging them what's in your pocket, and he's challenging us what is in your pocket. That coin represented idol worship, and he challenged them on that. Where is the allegiance of your heart? And I think Jesus would say to you today, where is your allegiance in your heart? Is it totally focused on the things of this world, or are you actively trying to pursue heavenly purpose and staying heavenly-minded? Be careful not to get too wrapped up in the things of this world. It's a connection to society and what society thinks and what society says is right and wrong. But we know that our allegiance is to this (laughs) and what it says about how we should live out our life. And in this moment, Jesus challenges them, "What's, what's in your pocket? And I encourage you each and every day to spend time in God's word and in prayer, because it will help you stay focused on what's important, and it will challenge you how uh, to be careful not to be too connected to the things of this world. I'll put this back in my pocket so no one's tempted to grab it. So again, Jesus is in this situation where uh, if he sides with the Jewish people, don't pay the tax, 
They'll be able to call him a, a, a rebel and they'll arrest him. If he sides with the Herodians, pay the tax, he undermines those who are standing up against um, these people. So verse 17, then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. So Jesus' answer avoids this trap. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Yes, a person owes Caesar what has his image on it and what has his name on it, okay? And then he says, give to God what is God's. Even more than that, a person owes God what has his image on it and his name on it. Isn't that neat? And this is the last example that Jesus shows us of how to be heavenly-minded people on this earth. Heavenly-minded people recognize that we owe Jesus our lives. We owe Jesus our lives. What do I mean by that? It's so amazing as I studied it. Owing Caesar taxes was a small thing compared to what we owe God. We owe God our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Since we were created in the image of God and we bear his name as children of God, we owe God our whole selves. He was saying this coin, you owe Caesar your taxes because it has his image on it and his name on it. We as Christ followers owe God even more than that because we bear his name and we are made in his image. In answering these teachers of the law, he's also giving us a reminder of the cost of discipleship and the cost of being a follower of Christ, that we owe him our lives. So in the background, we see this profound teaching to those who are really listening what it means to be a follower of Christ. He's using this opportunity not only to, to put the religious leaders in his place, but to teach the people listening to what it means to follow Christ. Yes, Caesar has power, but God has more. And Jesus was saying that, yes, Caesar has the right to ask for this tax, and it's your obligation to, play it, to pay it but it does not supersede your commitments to God. Because in fact, all the things that belong to Caesar belong to God. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. He's not discrediting the fact that they need to pay their taxes, but they should continue to do that. And they thought they had tricked him, but he used the attack for the enemy to advance his mission and establish his kingdom more. So to us today, what does that mean? Yes, you have obligations on this earth. There are things that you need to do um, to meet those obligations and expectations, but we should always remember that the, the, uh, this earth, the expectations of people on this earth do not supersede our commitments and our allegiance to God. Yes, we need to function on this earth, but we, we owe God our whole hearts. If the coin bears Caesar's image, then it belongs to Caesar. But you, child of God, who bear God's image, belong to God. Amen? So each and every day, again, I encourage you to spend time in God's word. Spend time studying scripture. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in worship. Set your mind on him. And by doing that, you will be reminded that you were created in the image of God and we can, that we bear his name as children of God and we owe him our whole selves. So let's do a review this morning. Again, our big idea, to thrive on this earth, we must be heavenly minded. 
And then we looked at four things. Heavenly-minded people recognize that we walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, right? Just like the Israelites walking around in the wilderness, they followed the, the cloud by day and the fire by night. That is how we are called to live our lives, following, walking in the spirit, not in the flesh. The second thing we learned, we are sheep among wolves. We are sheep among wolves. The enemy will try and back us into the corner, but we know that the great shepherd will protect us. The third one, we are in this world, but not of this world. We know we must constantly work at reminding ourselves that we are in this world and we are not of this world. And some of you are here today and you are here because you're seeking, because you don't have a relationship with God, but something drew you here to church today. And I say to you today, if you are tired and weary of being so wrapped up in the things of this world, and you realize that it's not bringing you fulfillment, it's not bringing you joy, and you recognize that there's more to your life than just living on this earth, let me tell you, Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for your sins, and he wants you to find new life in him. He doesn't want you to get beat up by this world and just live on earthly things, but he wants you to become heavenly-minded. And at the, end of the, at the end, I'm going to pray, and I want to pray for you, that if you want to accept the love of Jesus today, you can do that by praying a simple prayer, saying, God, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that you died on the cross for my sins, and only you can forgive my sins, and I want to commit my life to you. And by doing that, you're saying, I'm tired of living for things of this earth. I want to serve Jesus, and I want to give my life to him. So we'll do that in a moment for those of you who want to pray that prayer. The last thing we learned is we owe Jesus our lives. Since we were created in the image of God and we bear his name as children of God, we owe him our whole selves. So I hope this was helpful today. I hope this was a helpful reminder of what we need to be doing as Christ followers. To keep our eyes and our hearts fixed on, on heaven and heavenly things while we thrive here on earth. So I'd like to pray. Let's pray together. First of all, for, for those of you who would like to accept forgiveness for your sins and invite Jesus into your heart and change your allegiance from earthly things to heavenly things. It's real simple as praying a prayer. And, and how we're going to do it is I'm going to say the prayer and then you can repeat that prayer in your heart or under your breath. And it's about the condition of your heart. If you're saying, God, I want to have a relationship with you. I'm tired of living for myself. I'm tired of living for the things of this earth. I want to live for you. I encourage you to pray this prayer together. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes and I've messed up. I recognize today that you have the power to forgive my sins. And I ask for forgiveness today. I don't want to live for me anymore. I want to live for you. And I commit my life to you today. In Jesus' name. God, would you, would you help us today to be so good at balancing living on this earth while being focused on heaven? God, we come up against so many things that want to derail us from our mission and our purpose, but I thank you that you led by example for us as you interacted with these religious rulers. 
God, you showed us how to not get trapped and wrapped up in the things of this world and how to stay focused on eternal things. God, I pray for every person in this room that you would help us to be heavenly-minded people. Would you help us to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh? Help us to be led by the cloud by day and the fire by night. Help us to be fixed on scripture, walking in obedience and your kingdom. God, would you help us to be reminded today that we are sheep among wolves and that we need to be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. God, give us more wisdom and more discernment as we navigate through day to day, knowing who really wants to listen and who wants to trip us up. God, I thank you. And would you remind us today that we are in this world, but not of this world. As we live on this earth, help us to remain focused on heavenly things. Help us to not build up treasures on this earth, but help us to build up treasures in heaven. Help us to not get distracted by the things of this world, but stay focused on you. And God, I thank you for the reminder today that you laid down your life for us and that we are your children and that we bear your name. I pray for West Park that you would help us to not just be a bunch of individuals being heavenly minded, but you would help us to be a whole church body united behind this purpose. Let West Park be such a bright light within our community and within this city. And inside our community, God, help us to have each other's backs. Help us to look out for each other. And may nothing stop the mission and vision of West Park Church here on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen.